0: Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all those who stood by him and cried out, send everyone away from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. So dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And now your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my own mouth that speaks to you, You must tell my father how greatly I am honored in Egypt and all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. while Benjamin wept upon his neck and he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Let's pray together. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Being a pastoral counselor for many, many, many years was uh, one of the great joys of my life. And while I am, uh, as some of you know, more than delighted to be retired and play music, (laughs) um, it was uh, an unbelievably rewarding ministry for me. But like any work, it had its challenges. Early in my career, A person came to me who was suffering greatly emotionally from pain that person had had happened to them when they were a child and also into their adulthood, and it had led the person to a place where they felt they needed to make some decisions to make life better for them, but these decisions were fraught with many difficulties and challenges. And so we worked together for some time, and the person was able to make what they considered eventually to be life-giving decisions and to move on with their life. But in the course of our work together, I knew that the person felt that there was part of their emotional story that I seemed unable to fully connect with and hear and reflect back to them. And so when it was time to end our work together, it was with some sadness and emotional complications that we both said goodbye. Some years later, I heard from a therapist in another city that the person had subsequently gone back into counseling again. And one of the things the person had brought with them was this unsettled quality of the way our work had ended. And the therapist told me that uh, the therapist and his client would like to meet with me. And so was some trepidation. I went and at the appointed hour went in for a very powerful session, which ended up bringing about a reconciliation between the client and me, and healing to that wound that had opened up uh, in our time together. That was an amazing experience. Experience of redemption, I think. My belief is that, especially after my years doing pastoral counseling work and other pastoral work, my belief is that God is involved in the most intimate parts of our life as well as in the entire scope of the universe. That's one of the remarkable things about our experience of God is that God is in the night sky and God is in the way that I feel in the depths of my heart. And so this being true, I believe that occasionally in our life, God opens up moments for healing and redemption. This morning's scripture lesson is just such a moment. If you haven't checked out Genesis lately, I highly recommend it. The stories are amazing, especially the stories of the so-called patriarchs. And um, this is uh, near the end of those stories. And it's the story of uh, the, the reunion, that the family reunion, that occurs over time, uh, over several um, encounters between Joseph and his brothers. Now, some of you who haven't read the story recently or seen uh, Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat recently, the story is this. Joseph was the favorite of his father, Jacob. And part of his being the favorite was that he received this coat of many colors, as it is called, I think in the King James Version. My grandmother, when I was uh, uh, growing up, uh, being a good uh, German-American immigrant, never wasted anything, and so she saved all her old rags and things, and she hooked rugs. And she hooked me this rug, which is right by my bed, and it was all these different colors. And the first time I heard this story as a little child, I came home and I said to my parents, I have the coat of many colors. <laughs> of course, I don't think my brother probably liked that. But he was good about it. So he had this coat of many colors, and they were shepherds. And they just got more and more incited by the favoritism of their younger brother, Joseph. So one day, they thought they would, I mean, this is worse than me throwing a cup of water on my brother, I think. They thought they would throw him in a pit and leave him to die, which they did. But then they thought better of it. So there were some traders going by on their way to Egypt. So instead, they sold Joseph to the traders, knowing that he would likely begin a life of servitude, but at least they hadn't killed him. They took his coat, and they took animal blood, and they put it on the coat so that they could take it home to their father Jacob and say that his son had been killed by a wild animal. So that's the backstory. And that was a lot of years ago. As you most of you probably know, Joseph had his adventures in Egypt, where he eventually became the second in command to the Pharaoh, and where he had many adventures in and out of prison because of um, the affections of the Pharaoh's wife. But eventually he persevered and was at the pinnacle of his personal powers as a foreigner in the land of Egypt was in charge of everything. That's when his brothers arrived in a time of famine to plead for grain because they were starving back home. There are lots of backs and force and when Joseph figured out who they were. He didn't, in good brotherly fashion, come right out and say, welcome. He put them through a lot because he'd been through a lot. But eventually, we come to today's scene when he reveals to his brothers who he really is. There aren't too many more stories in the Bible with scenes more powerful than this one. Anybody who has worked with families or, frankly, been in a family, knows the poignancy and power of this scene today. It's remarkable. It says in Scripture that the wailing of Joseph as he revealed himself could be heard all the way to the Pharaoh and the Pharaoh's palace and the officials of Egypt. But he reveals himself, and after first being in disbelief, his brothers are also overcome with emotion. The scene is characterized by charged feelings on all sides, and it's an example of God's healing grace. God with us, giving us humans the remarkable, unique, resilient power to heal from such painful wounds to the spirit. It was a moment. A moment of healing, a moment of redemption, and in the moment, short-term view. Of redemption right then and there in that moment. Redemption is defined by the Oxford language dictionary as the action of being saved from sin error or evil. In our past I'm sure we could all agree that we have wounded some people in our families or in the other relationships that we've had. In our past, I'm sure we could all agree that we have been wounded. When wounding occurs in human relationships, the spirit of both the person causing the pain and the person suffering the pain experience wounding. I'll repeat that. Both those who cause pain and those who suffer pain in relationship are wounded in spirit. We don't often get the opportunity in life to be saved or redeemed from maybe a lot of the evil that comes to us from these past wounds, but sometimes we do. Sometimes a path opens up for us. And I believe when it does, that is God in our lives creating moments. Our job is to enter them as honestly and courageously and humbly as we can. For God loves us. He loves us onto a path that leads to such moments and out of them to a changed perspective, a more humble and loving one. I was certainly humbled and softened by the experience of my moment with my client. It changed the way I did the rest of my work for the rest of my career. It also, in humbling and softening me as a therapist, humbled and softened me as a person. It gave me more compassion, both for others and for myself. I believe that God is waiting for us in these moments, and then walking with us into the moments, and then cheering for us in those moments, and then... Celebrating with us when there is healing. But as they say in the 3 a.m. infomercials when we are unable to sleep and are watching again one of those commercials for chopping devices, but wait, there's more. There's more to this passage than just personal healing and redemption. Joseph says, and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. And a little later, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me, but God. That is a remarkable statement of faith. It tells us that God doesn't just wade into creating these short-view moments of redemption. God also plays the long game. If that's true, maybe you and me could be Joseph. Joseph. Sent ahead in somebody's life, a person's, or a community's, or a family's. Sent ahead to be present when they come to famine in that life or in that community. Sent ahead to keep alive many survivors. Survivors like maybe the older woman in the healthcare facility whose journey has led her to a famine of relationships. How might we be Joseph to that woman? Like the young person uncertain of their sexuality, whose journey has led them to a famine characterized by judgment and fear and confusion all around. How might we be a Joseph? offering life to such a young person. Or maybe the newly arrived immigrant from Africa whose long journey has led to a land of opportunity, but also to a place where there is a famine characterized by racism and misunderstanding. How might we be Joseph to that person? Or maybe a family battered by the unforgiving economy that requires more than two full-time incomes to try to secure non-existent housing. And so they find themselves in a famine of housing insecurity. How could we be Joseph sent ahead of that family by God in order to offer life? God plays the short and long games of redemption. God wants us, I believe, to play too. Are there moments waiting for you in your life to be redeemed from wounds you've caused or suffered in the past? Well, maybe not right now. Then how about being a redemption agent, a Joseph, sent ahead by God to preserve life? It's a great job. It doesn't pay money necessarily, but it gives you the opportunity to play with God. God, whose work and play are always, always about redeeming and bringing life. Amen.